This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's episode, we have someone who has done it all, founder, funder, and now contributor to our startup ecosystem. Excited to have El Bruno, who is the managing director of Techstars Boulder. Welcome to the show, El. How are you today? I'm great, Les. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited to have you. And I have to tell you, probably more so than any, somebody's probably going to you know count these up and like tell me I'm wrong, but more so than any other, I'd say the sort of proper noun spoken on Found in the Rockies is... Tech stars, everybody talks about it. Uh, I feel like on almost every episode. So um, you know, ring the bell again. Tech stars, we said it again. Um, but I'm so excited to for you to give us the the full story on that today, and that's what we're going to get into. And I know our audience is excited to hear all about that. But before we do, as we always start every show, we'd love to hear your story. Yeah, just who you are, where you grew up, and how you got to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Well. Um, I'm definitely an imposter into the mountains, um, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, undergrad in Boston, and then spent most of my adult life in Chicago. Actually, finally figured out what I was doing and made my way out here about three and a half years ago. Don't know why it didn't happen sooner. Um, so many so many people say that know, as well, by the way. It's like, it just calls you home. The mountains call you home. They, right? they really do. I'm never looking back. So uh, a little bit about my background. Um, I actually have started my own company and then also helped build three venture-backed companies on top of that. So spent most of my career as a founder operator. Started my first company back in 2004 when the uh, eBay world was super hot. Built an eBay startup company, an ancillary business um, where we sold overstock uh, for high-end retailers and liquidated their product. And then moved into um, three more venture back startups, all very early stage, kind of joined at the zero at the one to ten range. So um, helped build a couple of those companies, hyper growth, all in the consumer space. I would say most notably is a company by, by the name of Trunk Club. And we were um, fortunate enough to have an excellent exit in 2014. We were acquired by Nordstrom. At the time, it was the second largest e-commerce acquisition of all time. And with that. Um, I started angel investing and became an angel investor in 2015. So personally, I only invest in female-founded and co-founded startups. I've led a couple syndicates, um, including a local company here by the name of Suna. And then uh, in 2019, my husband and I uh, came up to Denver, said, this place is amazing. What are we doing with our lives? Um, Although Chicago was wonderful to us for many years. And kind of decided really quickly to move here overnight uh, with our three kids. And it was the best decision we ever made. And with that, decided to really focus on professionalizing my investing. I've been a part of so much fundraising on the founder operator side, you know, really had sea legs there, was excited about being able to make change in the VC community um, from the perspective of being able to invest um, in underrepresented founders and make an impact there. And so decided to shift full time to the investment side and joined um, Techstars in August of 2020. Uh, and it's just been the most wonderful, rewarding journey ever since. 
What what a great story leading up to TechStars, and what a, what a really uh, fascinating time I'm sure to be joining TechStars, yes. right? I mean, August 2020, just kind of on the on the back end of that first year of COVID. I didn't, yeah, I didn't meet anyone in person that I worked with for almost a year. Wow, <laughs> amazing. Well, we're gonna dive. I want to dive into some some great detail there, but uh, bef- before we go there. Um, I'd love to just kind of peel back a little bit more about, you know, your, you know, your, your initiatives to back female founded startups. And, and, and specifically, I think it's interesting. I, I'm always surprised with our guests and the serendipity of guests we have on the show. Cause actually Liz Georgie is a former guest, the founder of Suna. Oh, She's been on the show before. Yeah. The best guest I'm sure you've ever had. Oh, she was, she was incredible. That woman um, is so smart. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she sure is. Yeah. So that's a great episode. And if our listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, Liz Georgie from Suna, right after you listen to this one, you got to check. Yes, that out. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I learn a lot from her all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, so tell us, tell us more about that, that kind of personal passion and, and what you've seen, how you've seen that evolve, um, you know, as, as you became interested as an angel investor and, and started starting back, back, starting to back female founded companies. Yeah, you know, honestly, the passion came from just experiencing so much inequity myself as a founder and as a fundraiser. Um, And so, you know, I always joke that, you know, I'm going to write a book, an anonymous book on this one day because (laughs) I have a lot and I'm laughing. It's not funny, but a lot of stories to share around the challenges, you know, I faced on the fundraising front and things VC Mm -hmm. said to us that, you know, it would just blow your mind along the way. And this was back in, you know, 2015. And I do feel really confident that the environment has changed a ton uh, for the better. It was kind of back in, I'd say like the 2013 to 2016 range is when all this was happening. Um, And we've made a change for the better. So it really started with the passion based off of the experiences I had had that were were quite negative. Um, And so, you know, started making, just writing a couple angel checks and then, you know, realized after doing the actual research and on the science side of it, that um, investing in female founders is a really strong bet, that there's a lot of data behind the outcomes in investing in those types of founders. And, you know, I have a lot of hypothesis around the why there, but it's all hypothesis. Um, so that's what drove me to, to get involved in investing in female founders. That's awesome. What, what are some of the things that you've seen change or what, or, or maybe also, what are some of the things that, um, you know, some of the ways that we can continue to make progress in the, in the right direction? Yeah. So, you know, to be honest, it hasn't changed a ton and it's changed very slowly. Um, You know, we've seen kind of growth in investment in female founders and then we saw another decrease with COVID and then 2021, I believe, was flat to 2020. Um, so it's just been a really slow progress on the investment side. Um, and that's unfortunate to see, but I think there's a very strong awareness and acknowledgement of it that didn't exist before. So that's definitely where we are improving as people mm-hmm. and investors. Um, you know, as far as like what we can continue to do better, uh, I would just say that, you know, set set priorities and goals as venture capitalists around, you know, your investment in underrepresented founders. And like I said, the proof is in the pudding, like the tie goes to the runner. I would so much rather invest in somebody with a ton of grit than somebody who's been easily handed things. And as underrepresented folks, meaning females, black, brown folks, 
we have to just work harder to get to where we are. And so that grit is innate in us being an underrepresented person. And so I'm kind of going off on, on, a, on, a, oh, I like that. on something here, but I, I just think it's, it's, yeah. it's a smart, it's a smart way to look at investing. So I just think it's about all of us holding ourselves accountable. Um, mm-hmm. I think in our industry, we tend to get um, blinded by, you know, things on paper like pedigree or X Uber, X Google, that sort of thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's easy to fall back on that stuff when it comes to diligence. And so it's really holding ourselves accountable again to doing deep, deep diligence on all of these companies that we're talking to and getting past the paper. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, you know, it's, it's interesting too, that you, you mentioned this, this element of grit and as well as getting past the paper. Um, because what I have found, we, we've, we featured a number of underrepresented founders on the podcast and, you know, if you looked at, you know, maybe their backgrounds on paper, you may say like, well, I, yeah, I don't know if this is really a founder story I'd really even be interested in hearing. Like, and, and I mean that in a very just kind of vanilla way. Absolutely, yeah. But, but if, when you hear the stories and the perseverance, when you get to meet these people and who they are, it, they're incredible. And the grit and the perseverance that they have, I totally agree with you. Like, there is something special about that. And it's, it's, it's it's persistent across almost every diverse founder that I've, I've ever met. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that you highlighted that. Yeah. It's, thanks. It's a cool observation. It definitely is um, something I've experienced as well as an mm-hmm. investor. What, uh, what advice would you give, you know, if, if there are, uh, founders out there that have struggled, that have faced challenges, um, y- you know, whether, whether they're a diverse founder that's faced challenges or whether they just don't have the pedigree, um, you know, they, they didn't graduate from Stanford or something or uh, like what, what advice would you give to founders that are are struggling and faced with some of that sort of that, that disadvantage? Yeah. You know, it, we are so lucky in this day and age. It's like almost everything can be found on something we call the World Wide Web today versus 10 <laughs> years ago. But just the resources are limitless today as far as learning goes. Now, as far as network goes, that's still a little bit. I'll talk about that next. But as far as the learning goes, it's just immerse yourself in everything you can find because there is really, really good stuff out there. Um, you know, there is Venture Deals by Brad Fell, which is a very well-known book, of course. You know, there's there's so many books out there and so many podcasts you can listen to on, on how to learn, how to build a business. So I would say, you know, start as an academic in the space. And then when it comes to networking, which is, you know, still for better or for worse, really, really important in building a company. Um, It's just about putting yourself out there. And it's about that cold outreach, right? And it's a numbers game when it comes to cold outreach. But, you know, I can tell you, for example, a company that actually was in my last cohort did a cold outreach to me on LinkedIn. You know, that's very rare for that to come through and ultimately be a company that comes in your cohort. But, you know, they didn't have a network and they, you know, afterward, you know, one of the co-founders told me he was doing 100 LinkedIn outreaches per day. And so it's just about really putting in the reps in order to build that network. Yeah, that's great advice. And and I always wondered, so that's how you get into Texas. You just got a cold, cold outreach L. That's it. No, this episode's going to air. I'm going to have a thousand emails in my inbox in my LinkedIn. Oh, too funny. No, but, that, but that's great. I mean, it's a, it's a simple example of like, yeah, that's that's just another skill in like determination and perseverance. So yeah. Yeah, very cool. exactly. Um, 
what so let's let's go back speaking of kind of like learning and and the sort of the journey of founders like i'd like to kind of go back maybe to um your your journey a little bit and where it started and like some of the things that you learn and sort of some of the skills that you develop that sort of led to this current opportunity that you have to have just this massive you know kind of national and global impact with founders like what are some of the things you learned as a founder along your journey, um, you know, through uh, and, and not just a founder, but, you know, as a yeah. early stage employee in, in tech startups? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I learned most of the stuff the hard way. So <laughs> let me start there. Best way to learn. Um, yeah. It. <laughs> you know, you learn more from the mistakes than you do from the great outcomes. So, um, you know, I would say just to kind of touch on maybe one or two, one thing that I learned um, was that don't let emotion get into the equation of making smart decisions in business. And the example I'll share with you there is, um, you know, as founders, we're so passionate about what we're building that sometimes we get really close to the, so close to the problem that we can't even actually look at what the problem is. It becomes really blurry. And um, it's about kind of eliminating that passion and using data to make decisions. So I guess that would be kind of the first thing I would say is like, Eliminate emotion, use data. Um, when I was at a company called Luxury Garage Sale, we were testing out a new product on the market and I was super passionate about it. What I didn't do as I was bringing this product to market was set really um, stringent timelines and KPIs around it of what our measures of success were and what our measures of um, you know not being successful were where we would shut down the beta, call it. And so it turned into a total nightmare. By the way, do, can people swear on this? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> swear away. Yeah, we're not governed by the FCC. Yeah. All right, cool. Total <laughs> shit show. It was a total, absolute shit show, and it was 100% my fault. And I was like, no, this is going to work. We're just doing it the wrong way. We're going to test it this way. Six weeks later, no, I swear, we just need to test it this way. Ended up losing a ton of money for the business in the process because I was so emotionally attached to making that decision be the right one. And if I would have set those parameters and been you know, really stringent about the timelines and the KPIs ahead of time, that never would have happened. So that's a really big lesson that I learned along the way. Um, and then, you know, there's just so many, don't, don't raise from VCs. You don't feel like you would wanna go out to dinner with, with your families. That's enough. I, I'm glad. I, I was funny. I was. I was thinking that was where the sentence ended. Don't raise from DCs. I'm like, wow, what advice that is <laughs> that you wouldn't go out to dinner with. Important caveat. Yes. 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 Raise from VCs you like because yeah. it is a very, very important relationship, and there is so much trust. It's all about trust with VCs and founders. And I have made that mistake where you know, and I say that that comes from a place of privilege, right? Like. Sometimes you're going to be desperate for money. You're going to have to take whatever money comes your way. So I fully recognize that. But really, you know, if you have the opportunity to choose who your investors are, make sure you really get to know them and make sure that, you know, that is a relationship that can stand the test of time because you're going to hit so many bumps in the road together. Um, and it's like, well, do you want to go to war with that person? Do you want to go to dinner with that person and their family? Those are your, that's your litmus test. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you said that. That's a concept that has never surfaced on, you know, the 50 plus episodes we've recorded. And I think it's so important because a lot of times, you know, I think, you know, whether it's like you, you watch Shark Tank on TV and that's your impression of what VCs do or something. But it's like it's like you meet them. It's transactional. 
they write a check like that. But it's, you're so right. Like the way you build trust is through a relationship is by having dinner with people is by spending time with people. And that's, the quintessential element of any yeah. investment, right? Is trust. It's humans investing in humans at the end of the day. Yeah. Such a great, <laughs> such a great takeaway. So, so you had, you know, kind of a, a great career and a great progression from, you know, operator, as you said, from operator and founder to angel investor. How was that transition? That's kind of a first micro transition, I guess, mm -hmm. or, or actually pretty macro transition, but like, how did you shift your skills and what sort of things did you learn about yourself and maybe also about investing when you shifted into more of an investor, an angel investor type role? Um, I th I'd say kind of the biggest thing I've learned as I've gotten a lot of reps in the last few years investing is that it's much more about the founders and the founding team than it is about the idea. Um, I think I would get really excited about a great idea early on and not get to know the founder as well as I could. Um, and that is ultimately not the right way to invest because if you find a great founder, that's a lot harder to find. You can help them mold their idea. You can help them pivot. You can help them evolve as long as there's something there. You can't do the opposite. Yeah. Boy, is that, <laughs> boy, I wish I would have heard that right. five years ago. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We had uh, Natty, uh, Natty Zola on, on the show uh, last season, and he said something. It was like, what are the top five criteria for making an investment decision? He was like, team, 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 <laughs> team, and then something else. Yeah. I don't even remember what the something else was. But yeah, it's the same kind of, it's the same thing. It's like the team is everything. What What about um, any anything you're willing to share, like, uh, you know, uh, mistakes that you made as an early, as an angel investor or things that you like overlooked and look back on now and say, wow, did I, did I miss that? Or did I, uh, think this was going somewhere else that it totally had no chance at like any, any unique kind of investment decisions to share there? Or I wish I had a really excellent articulate answer for you there, but it actually just goes back to that exact thing. Like I bet on an idea and not a founder mm. and, you know, mm. to remain nameless. I'm fortunate that my, you know, entire portfolio is still in business as of now, but some are doing mm -hmm. better than uh, much better and some are doing much worse. Um, so yeah, I think I just wish I would have spent more time getting to know the founders. And I feel like you know, when I look at like my first angel investment to my last, the difference in my behavior there is so, um, so obvious. Like the first one was just, oh, I'm excited about what you're doing. Let's meet once. I'll write you a check. You know, I had some liquidity in my life for the first time ever with our trunk club outcome. And so I kind of just went for it and, you know, was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, and so-and-so is investing in it. I'm going to do, you know, I trust that person. Signaling. Right. That whole, yeah. <laughs> that whole epidemic. Um, and so I did that. <laughs> whereas then, you know, my last, um, well, even with Suna, actually, Liz will tell you that was a more recent investment. And I led a very mm -hmm. small syndicate in that nothing, nothing super impactful in the business. Um, and I was on her like you would not believe I'm have her on the phone, making her walk her me through her financial model, digging into like very specific details when she's probably like, what the hell? Like, this is the tiniest check. All this for this in. check? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, was yeah. really leaning in on not just taking mm -hmm. other people's words for it. Like, even though investors I respected were in on the deal, I wanted to come to that conclusion myself. 
Um, So I would say kind of that's how my behaviors have changed over the years. Yeah. You know, I I think I'm glad you brought up that point about like this, even the small check and doing the homework and doing the diligence, because I, I actually think one of the things I've grown to appreciate is the investors that do the work, the investors that do the homework, whether it's I I notice it on a follow on investment in our portfolio or whether it's kind of how I, I approach a new investment. It's like doing the work isn't necessarily always about just getting conviction in the deal. That's important. And getting to a thesis that holds water. But it's also the way that you prepare to be value add to the company, right? Yeah. Like That's how you learn how to be a board member. That's how you learn the intricacies and the ins and outs of the company. So I, I think about it like I think that persistence is great. And, and if I were, I'm sure, and I'm sure Liz thought it was great for the same reason you know i'm sure she she understands that kind of stuff um she's of that level of maturity but i think that's something that i would you know founders need to realize too it's like no matter how small the check an interested investor is an engaged investor for the long haul yeah and there's also like something really interesting about the power dynamic of investors and founders that we have seen shift dramatically over the last few years right with you know such a frothy market in 20 late 2020 and 2021 that like actually shifted the power a bit more to founders. Um, and then now it's kind of shifting back to funders. And what's interesting though with that is like, you know, with the founders being like, well, I'm not gonna let you diligence my company. Like I'm oversubscribed. You just come in or you don't, right? Um, and, and that was a really new a new part of the industry in 2021. But I think it was actually for the best because it just needs to be balanced out. Like everyone needs to recognize we need to do diligence on each other and that it isn't one-sided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Um, what, so, so kind of moving, moving forward towards tech stars. Cause I really want to, I really want to, you know, talk, talk about that a bunch. Cause I think our, our listeners are excited to hear your, your first experience. You were, was it, you were an EIR in the trans, was it the TransUnion program? Uh, Western or, Union. Yeah. Or Western Union. Yeah. Uh, so you, was that your, that was your, was that your first experience with Techstars as an EIR? Yeah. Great. Tell us about that and tell us about how that led to kind of, I guess, I would assume your conviction in <laughs> this current opportunity eventually, right? Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, I moved to Denver in, I actually moved in August of 2019, was still working as an operator with a startup in Chicago called Interior Define. And uh, as a chief revenue officer there, and then slowly transitioned out of that with my move and really was like, I want to professionalize this investing. I started talking to a bunch of funds. That was, you know, my initial thought. And I actually was like so amazed at the market here in Colorado and also the willingness of everyone in this market to, to talk to each other and share deal flow and that sort of thing. And so I had this initial invest, this initial, sorry, professional thesis that I would work for a fund on one of the coasts and bring them all the deal flow, you know, in the mountain region. As I was having those conversations, I came across Techstars and (laughs) why are you? I'm sorry. Yeah. Our listeners can't see me smiling. I'm like, I'm like, Elle, that would be the exact opposite strategy of Next Frontier Capital, which is let's find the best deals and do them here. Well, anyway, that's okay. I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. Oh, that's why you didn't do it. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. No one hired me. No, I'm joking. (laughs) What happened was I stopped that process when I came across Techstars because I just thought it was the most brilliant concept. You know, I wasn't actually super, super familiar with Techstars. I knew the brand well. I didn't 
fully understand the guts of it um, before pursuing this opportunity. And, you know, for me as an investor, it was an opportunity to really get my investment chops going, but to also continue to wear my operating hat, which as they say, once an operator, always an operator, right? And so it's a, a chance for me to roll up my sleeves and work very directly with founders and solve very specific problems on a day-to-day basis while investing in companies. And so that's what ultimately brought me there. And at Western Union, they were like, do you want to be an EIR in the fintechs, <laughs> you know, accelerator? And I was like, my entire life experience is as a CRO and consumer brands. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously there was a little bit of imposter syndrome there going into that. And once I started meeting with these founders, I, I immediately realized they actually know everything there is to know about fintech. What they need help with is who do I hire first? What does my org structure look like? What is my go-to market? And, you know, slowly as I'm having these one-on-ones every week with founders realizing this is a good relationship. You know, I can help these folks out um, and they know what they need to know about fintech. And it just was really incredibly rewarding. You know, I always say like, I don't have the courage to be a founder again. And so I get to live vicariously through the courage of all the founders I get to work with. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great quote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did I answer your question? This is what I do on podcasts. I just go off on a tangent. I love it. Oh, this is great. No, you're taking it in a great direction. So um, so you, so you, 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 that was basically like, I, I would recharacterize that as sort of like a, an unexpected, like serendip. It was like a serendipitous great experience that you had through this programming. And then what, what was the major kind of realization coming out of that other than, you know, living, living vicariously through these founders that have the courage, um, is, is did that become like just this new passion that you just wanted to keep going after? that more and more? Was that sort of the... Yeah, that. And, you know, I realized that, you know, we're, we're not going to know outcomes for a long time, but I think I'm a pretty damn good investor. And that's what came yeah. out of it. And yeah. what I have experience in is having worked as an operator for so long, I can read people and founders and leaders really, really well. Um, I'd like to say I'm very perceptive in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, thought as much, but it was I was really able to solidify that skill set that I had. I don't mean to be bragging, but you know, I'm 42 years old, so you got to know what you're good at now. Um, <laughs> you would hope yeah. if you haven't already. And so yeah. it was the combination of that, like, hey, I actually I can pick good companies, um, and then the you know, hopefully they all think the ability to be able to support them in their process, and you know, whether it's coming off a like that or not right now, doing it with a lot of humility in the process. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Well, and anybody that knows you, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're one of the most humble, humble people I've I've met in the ecosystem (laughs) for sure. Um, So with, with regards to picking them, by the way, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's, let's go there. Cause like, you know, I, I think it's been said it's like tech stars, like is it's harder to get into than like Harvard. I don't yeah. know. Harvard, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever the whatever analogy you want to use. What what is it actually like how hard is it actually? Can you tell us or would that be too much uh divul- divulging? Well, it's hard as shit, you know. I mean you have yeah. I you know, I talk to hundreds just like you do, Les, hundreds, yeah. hundreds of founders a year. And you think about kind of your ingredients that you look for in that perfect recipe call it. You'll meet with someone, they have four out of five and you're like, Oh, I really wish they had that fifth, that fifth ingredient. Maybe I can, you know, maybe I can coach them on that one. And, you know, you kind of just 
it's like you're always looking for that perfect package. Um, but that said, it's also hard because you 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 appreciate these folks, right? Like if you're a good investor, you have so much respect for founders. I think that's the most important thing, right? Um, Every single one of them. You don't want to say no. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. I always tell people that's the hardest part about the job. I did an end of the year episode last year, which is a really fun one where I talked about how like saying no is like, you know, you may think it's easy, but that's why so many VCs say maybe. Yeah. That's kind of my joke. It's so you get a lot of you get a long maybes. Like I say no all the time because I know it's important for the founders to hear no versus maybe, but it hurts. It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, but yeah, it is true. We get a ton of applications um, and we, I mean, I can vouch for my program. We look through every single one of them. Um, and, you know, it just comes down to, you know, who's, who's got most of the ingredients at, at the end of the day. And sometimes it's not even about the company. It's about our current investment thesis or, you know, if we're focused on a certain geography for that cohort, um, things outside of like, this is, you know, just a great company. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, not only that, but it's, it's like the, the courage I'd say that it takes just to apply to tech stars and the discipline. And the, it's like, this is already a really select, amazing group of people that you're picking from to begin with. Right. So it's the competition I'm sure is, is super steep and fierce. And then on top of that, you only get to pick how many per cohort out of the yeah, oh, how many? 12 companies per cohort. Uh, we have moved to two cohorts a year. So that's, um, that's been great. And that, you know, if a company is just a little too early, but you really like mm -hmm. them, it's not like they have to wait another year to apply. They can apply three months mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, Natty, when Natty was on the episode, we mostly talked about Matchstick, but he did give us a little history of Techstars and his journey in Techstars um, through his first company. But what I'd love to do today is, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the program today? Yeah. What it's like, when the cohorts run, just kind of a general pitch overview for our listeners that may be thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I have my predecessor, Natty Zola, to thank for much of it. So that's a good segue. Um, so a little bit of an overview on Techstars today, because it has changed a lot. You know, we have a new CEO in the last couple of years. I would say kind of structurally it's changed, but fundamentally it's stayed the same, which is our give first mentality and always putting founders first. Um, but we now have, we currently have about 50 programs around the world and all of our city programs have moved to two cohorts a year. So that's myself and Boulder, Austin, New York, LA, Techstars Anywhere, Chicago, maybe I, that's just domestically. Um, is that uh, anywhere in North Dakota? What's this? <laughs> what is that? Wait, is that What's an anywhere? actual city? <laughs> no, I just made that up. <laughs> you fell for it yeah. though. Techstars uh, Anywhere is actually our Techstars remote program before okay. we all kind of went remote. So they've always oh. been remote from day one. Such forward. I know, right, right. <laughs> uh, and so we uh, take 12 companies on per cohort, like I mentioned, and it's a 13 week accelerator. So I like to say we invest in companies via an accelerator model. We're not writing really large checks. We do write smaller checks to our companies, but uh, the value is truly in the accelerator and the network mm -hmm. and the mentorship and the experience itself. Um, so the way my program is structured, I'll speak to, to mine only, is um, 
we break it into three parts. The first part is customer discovery and building. I'm really obsessed with customer discovery um, in order to kind of build that that infrastructure in order to find you know your product market fit and then build your product roadmap from there. That's the first third of program. The middle program is all about selling, which is what I've done my whole career. Um, and everything we're building out for this next cohort is very tactical. So the customer journey, the ICP, you know, uh, contracting, kind of you name it there. And then the last part of program is fundraising. So, you know, that's a lot of why people come into program for sure. But we don't want, you know, we want to prepare our founders for fundraising so that when they actually do go out to the market, that they're putting their best foot forward. So it's not like come into Techstars and we'll introduce you to 60 VCs on day one. And, you know, you'll go out and have a check by day 15. It's just, you know, it's not how it works. It's not a long tail play. Um, so we really spend the first two thirds building the company and then we focus on fundraising. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the three-legged stool for an early stage yeah. startup, right? Like, can you get a cust can you get customers? Can you get revenue? And then can you fund the revenue through growth and then, you know, keep the cycle going? That's cool. Yeah. That's great. What, um, and what are the, uh, what, what times is there like open application, open season for applications? When do the cohorts run? Generally, what are you looking for? Yeah. So actually I did not mention that, which is also how we've evolved as an organization. So um, we do have open apps at all times and you can actually apply and uh, just apply to the general Techstars application field. You don't have to choose an accelerator. Um, we do recommend you put a first, second and third choice. It's really helpful to get eyes on it, but you don't have to. So there's, excuse me, a general pool of applications that um, we just launched in the last couple of months and you can apply several times if you like. Oftentimes our companies um, do not get in on the first attempt, but more so the second or third attempt. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, if you go techstars.com and click on startups, you'll be able to see the opportunities and the options for applying. Awesome. And is there, are there any, uh, are there any themes or I know some of the programs have specific uh, themes that they seek out. Yeah. What does... There are themes. So go on there and okay. take a look. I would say for Techstars Boulder, you know, it's changed over the years across MDs and of course, kind of our appetites for different types of investment. Um, last cohort was all fintech for Boulder. And that was the first time there's been a really specific investment thesis. And that was super fun. We broadened it a bit, this cohort um, to fintech marketplaces, supply chain and logistics. So that's what you're going to see in our upcoming class, which starts, which starts in January. Um, and then we will open apps for the next cohort in January and we'll announce our, our thesis there. You know, Boulder obviously has an incredible, rich, deep history of um, great companies coming out of it. I'd say there's, you know, a lot in sales management tools, a lot prop tech, a lot of SaaS um, has historically come out of here. Uh, but we continue to evolve there. And I love, I love mountain region companies. I want more of them. Um, so I'm going to do a plug there, like Colorado, right. Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico, bring it, Utah. I, I want to see all of those companies. I mean, even Arizona, I'll, ca I'll call mountain region at this point. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's in the, it's in the corner. Exactly. It's yeah. there. It's there. Awesome. Well, you heard it. You heard it, founders. If you're listening to our podcast, Go to go to TechStars online and, and figure out figure out how to make it work. Yeah, get that find Boulder. Reach out to us. Yeah, 
any any advice and specifically let's talk about mountain west like any any uh advice to startup founders in the mountain west that are maybe thinking about tech stars uh maybe want to apply to thinking about applying to tech stars boulder any advice you'd give them like before they press submit either either from a company journey perspective like wait until you do this yeah. or like any advice yeah you know we don't necessarily, we don't bring in companies that are in idea stage. There's awesome pre-accelerators available out there for that. Um, you know, we minimally are looking for an MVP, um, ideally in beta, um, up to, you know, maybe 500K in ARR is kind of where that's our sweet spot for where we feel like we can be helpful to companies. Um, I would say only apply to Techstars if you really want it. So, don't apply to tech stars. And also if you really want to put in the work, I should say. Even more. Mm, yeah, we <laughs> yep. um, don't apply to tech stars if you think it's an easy way to get a check and that's what you want to get out of it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone who's got through tech stars say that it was easy. <laughs> exactly. Just for the record. Yeah, it's going to work. But I think generally that self-selects the right, you know, if you're going to be a successful founder, you're going to work yeah. 10 times as hard after Techstars. So. Exactly. And I think I'm just going to kind of wax off of that question a little bit about like being a founder in our region in general. You know, mm -hmm. there's upsides and downsides. Obviously, founders don't have as much exposure to venture capital money, but we're getting there. I mean, in Colorado, especially. Um, I think we were the seventh highest city as far as venture capital dollars invested in 2021, you know, beating out some larger tier markets that you wouldn't expect us to. So we're growing, we're getting there. And I would say the advantage to being to fundraising and building a company here is that people want to help you. Like mm -hmm. it is not quid pro quo. It is Less will take a phone call with you. L, Natty, we will we will help you succeed, not just in Colorado, but in the mountain region, because we have so much pride in it and That's we right. believe in it. And that is so unique to where we live. And I can tell you that because I've lived in the other places. Yeah, I second that. Yeah. And I can tell you that as well from the places I've lived. So that's yeah. the upside. Everyone will take your Love phone it. call. Everyone will take the coffee. Um, you know, the downside is you just it's not a numbers game as much. It's a quality over quantity game when it comes to like the size of the network. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what about, what? what's like a one minute or 30 second or whatever you wanna do plug on why choose an accelerator? I'm thinking, or, or, or maybe specifically why choose Techstars? Cause maybe I'm thinking about, oh, there's Y Combinator or this or that, Mass Challenge or what, like why do it? Why do an accelerator? And maybe more specifically, why do Techstars? I'm going to just speak to why do tech stars and I'll preface that with not all accelerators are created equal and many have attributes that ours don't have and vice versa. It's just, it's not, it's not vanilla to vanilla. You know, it's like, that's an, that's a great clarification. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, you're right. But why do tech stars? I mean, you should talk to our founders to understand why and how life changing it's been for them. But I would say do tech stars if you want the ability and again, you want to put in the hard work to accelerate the growth of your business in three months, what you normally would have done in three years. And you don't know what you don't know. And the power, it's not actually the fundraising. It's not the investors we intro you to. It is in the mentorship. And to be able to create a network of people that took myself and my team and Natty and everyone before me 
you know, collectively 20 years to build and to be able to hand that over to our founders in three months is there's nothing more powerful than that in order to build a business. And so that was like a very high level answer, but you know, oh, that's great. It's, it's that's great. the power of the network and the mentorship that is going to accelerate the growth in a really short time. Um, even if you're a second or third time founder, there's still things you don't know going into this environment, right? Or you're starting a different kind of company. You want introductions to different types of potential customers, et cetera. Um, it's, you know, I am biased, but I have been a founder many times myself. I always say, I wish I had gone through Techstars. I think the outcome of my companies would have been very different. Yeah, great pitch. Make me want to apply to Techstars. <laughs> Is there one for VCs? Is it? <laughs> no, that's oh, great. did you say you uh, want to come to a workshop and on the next, the next oh, cohort? Great. All right. You heard it here. I'd love to. You know I'd love yeah, to do that. Awesome. So, yeah, anytime. Uh, yeah, we say yes in the rock. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah. Um, Two more quick questions because we're just about out of time. First of all, any fun predictions about the future of our region, startup founders in our region, anything fun you're seeing, trends you're seeing? Um, we always like to you know, try to get you to say something that someday we can use to embarrass you when you were totally wrong about it. <laughs> um, I'm no, but like anything fun, like future predictions that you have? Well, you know we're investors, so we're mostly wrong, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I compare our job to meteorologists. It's, there's a few jobs in the world where you can get it wrong most of the time and still have a job. Um, That's right. So I, I won't be embarrassed when, when I do get it wrong. Um, but a prediction, I don't know if I necessarily have a prediction. Uh, I will say, I think 2024 is really going to be the year that Colorado in particular puts themselves on the map as a, a founder VC, um, kind of capital, because we have so many companies on the cusp of exit, um, that are unicorns in the state of Colorado and 2022, late 2022 and early 2023 are going to set us back a bit in those but we just need a few more companies to quote unquote hit in order to put mm -hmm. ourselves really on the map. And, you know, because that comes after all the investment infusion, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, like I said, 2021 was a big year for investment. So I think we're going to see some really strong outcomes in late 2023, uh, which is what will put a community on the map. And we've had a few, but we still haven't had enough for um, our friends on the coast to, to feel like there's a competitive nature there. Well, you know, we've, we've made a couple, a few investments in 2021 and, and in 2022. So yeah, hopefully we're in that batch. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, very cool. Last question. I always like to ask, uh, you know, kind of just a fun personal question. Uh, anything you are looking forward to uh, on the personal front in kind of the next 30 days to close out 2022? Anything Anything fun, trips, vacations, anything? <laughs> um, I don't I actually am staying here for the holidays, which we okay. never do. So I think I look forward to that. Um, That's the anomaly. That's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I think I look forward to being still and Good for you doing too. nothing. Um, but yeah, I have three small children. And so the holidays are super fun. Just a lot of running around Santa Claus. We're already playing the Christmas music, which my husband is like, I'm over it. So um, love the holiday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you guys, by the way, do you guys have, not that I'm like endorsing Elf on a Shelf, but do you guys have one of those? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
You're, you're lucky. I, I bit that off about, well, gosh, what was it? Uh, my son's 14, probably 13 years ago. And I can't figure out how to break free of it. My eight-year-old still, I, anyway, yeah, yeah. We can, we, that could be a whole episode. Good on you for dodging that. Bullet. That's your fault, Les. Yeah, exactly. All right. Wonderful. Well, just to conclude, I just want to thank you for being just a phenomenal guest on our show. We're so thankful to have you in this region. All you do for founders on a daily basis, living vicariously through their courage. I love that. That's such a cool quote. Um, and if, to just to conclude, if you could just tell uh, our listeners where they can find out more about you and Techstars Boulder online. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks, Les. And right back at you. Um, techstars.com backslash Boulder is where you can connect with us for office hours and to apply. That is the best way to go about it. I would give you my Twitter handle, but we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Whoa. She doesn't do Elf on a Shelf or Twitter. This is incredible. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And I'd love to hear from folks. I, I truly mean it. Open door policy as much as time as we can, as much time as we can give, we're happy to, um, regardless if it's joining Techstars or not. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time. Thank you.